0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. I'm very pleased to introduce Mr. George Cunningham. George, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. How are, How are you? you? I'm just looking at the letters after your name, <laughs> Mr. Cunningham. FSA uh, <laughs> means you're a fellow of the Society of Actuaries. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Yeah. 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 You have a doctorate no. in literature from University of Limerick. Is that correct? Yes, I, I have an MA from Galway. They gave me an honorary MA for my community work as well, Joe. No, it's not actuaries, Joe. The FSA is, okay. is fellow of the Society of Antiquaries. It's oh, archaeology-based. Antiquaries, yeah. Okay. There um, are only about 40 of us in Ireland. There's about 3,000 in the world, Joe. Okay? And what, what is antiquaries a thing of the past? It's, it's, it's going, believe it or not, Joe, their office is in the centre of London. They have a beautiful, beautiful headquarters there. They're going for over 300 years, and they honour people who have contributed enormously to the, if you like, the, the made culture of uh, everything got to do with with archaeology and oh, all of magic, that. Magic. And you have to be proposed, and there's 12 people have to tick you, and if one of them blackballs you, you won't be elected. And, you know, it's a, it's quite an honour, you know, for an okay. Irishman. And you have a Master of Literature from my own alma mater, Trinity College. I have a Master's I of have, Social I was, work, I was one of the first, Joe, believe yeah. it or not, if you remember Jim Lydon, the great um, do, yeah. uh, professor of medieval yeah. uh, history there. Yeah. I met Jim in Ross Grey, I was involved with the Society of Antiquaries of Ireland, and Jim was president, and he talked to me, and I said I was involved, well, from the 19, late 1960s in local history, and had published a little bit and all of that. And I was talking to Jim, and he said, "But well, why don't you apply uh, for a to be admitted as a student uh, for a master's or an M. Late without having a basic honours degree?" I, right. I, I I was in Pat's Joe from 1959 to 1960, and that that was a two year. You didn't get a degree, and he said, "I will, uh, I will help okay. you." And he said, "By the way." Did you have Latin in your leaving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had Joe. No, I had okay. Latin and, and uh, Latin and Greek okay. done through Irish, yeah, and I applied, and they allowed me to study for the MLIT without having a basic uh, degree. Fantastic. I was the first that that happened. To, you, you know, you did um, Latin. Tr- you did Latin and Greek through Irish. Yeah, you got ten percent extra. You see, that was the whole thing about okay. it. You know, you now, read you read the paper. You read the paper in English, but you replied in Irish, you know, for the, <laughs> the other thing. Now, we have established yeah. that you have a a perfect head. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, my, my culture in the letter, when I saw the article about baldness and yeah. the way that people were getting hair transplant and that, I just thought, you know, it was a lovely article, well written. And I wrote a short letter at breakfast yesterday to the Irish Times, not mm. thinking they would ever publish it. I write many short letters to the Times. Most of them are not are not published. But they just said that and you're it was lucky timely. enough to get in. And you say yeah, God made God and made I, God made some perfect heads, the others he covered with hair. Exactly. We have to stop Isn't portraying love, baldness yeah. as a condition. Why? You do you you love being bald? Well, I don't love being bald. I'm, I've got used to it. I mean, my, my wife, you know, of Carmen, we were married 55 years, Joe. Met her probably 58 years ago on the lot. And she wrote, for my 60th birthday, she is a poet, has two collections of poetry herself. Mm-hmm. But for my 60th birthday, when, when, when I was just thinking about it now, uh, she said, we met when you were 26, were thin and had long hair. You're 60 now and not too thin. Your precious head is bare. And she said to me, she was on the phone, I was on the phone this morning, and uh, she said, shouted across, tell her I still love you. Isn't that nice, Joe? Ah, that's lovely. You know, and what age were you when you the, start going bald as they say, George? I would, I would say I started going bald in the very early 70s. We got married in 68, and I was thinning. I mean, my dad was going bald as well. He hated it. Because at that time, Joe, if you went bald or that, women mm. stopped looking at you. You know, I no. mean, it, 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 you were just changed. You know, you know, with it uh, on, on that. And it was the it was the one thing that I did notice, Joe. You know, and you were in your thirties. Um, I was, was in my uh, okay. would have been yeah in my in my thirties. Yeah, in the, in I'd, be, I'd be eighty. 
I'll be 83 my next birthday, Joe, next Brilliant. month. Okay. That's not no, bad. That's you know? not bad. 53 years of losing hair, yeah. so to speak. Did one, yeah. at that time, did you ever consider a wig? Oh, Joe, they were awful. Do you not remember the fellas and if the wig, if the wig slipped across on the ah. thing? They were caricatures rather than anything else, you know. And um, they, I mean, they're not like now. I mean, women's wigs, you know, for for women mm. or people who have lost their hair through cancer and that, they're they're absolutely brilliant, you know. And it's hard to make, uh, you know, the difference. Uh, hard to know the difference between what is a wig and natural hair. I'm not so sure of men, Joe. You know, you know, with it, I never did. And could you and ever my, manage? My a, wife, could you ever manage? Had you no hair on the sides to manage a Donald Trump? Uh, comb over. Uh, <laughs> the father is it? Is the what father, you call yeah, it? Is yeah. that what you call it? The father. Yeah. No, I never. I mean, I have a few friends who do that. I think it's awful, Joe. You know, or the fellas uh, combing it from the back. You know, let ah. it grow at the at the back and then bring it on the cross. I mean, I still have at the side, you know, at, at the back and and the lot. Uh, for years now, I mean, I haven't been at a barber. Yeah, for years. In fact, the local barber here, Paddy McQuaid, that must be 20 years ago now, my wife was cut my hair. It wasn't difficult to do, Joe, because you only mm. had a headlamp to do, uh, you know, on it. And um, okay. I hadn't been at with Paddy McQuaid for years and years and years. And I went into him for 20 years. And he put the towel around my neck and he says, Hiya, George, long time no see. You know, it was a long, it was a long time, you know, to... Um, okay, to listen, do. listen. But I got used to it, Joe. Listen, I mean... Listen, the benefits of being bald. Well, for so many, I don't have to buy. I don't have to buy hairbrushes or combs or anything like that. You get up in the morning, and you're now you go into the shower, and you're not worried about how you how you look. You just forget about it. And you, you know, wash on, your on you that. wash your bald head with soap. Not so you save on. Oh, well, absolutely, it's part of the whole the overall. But Joe, one of the little tricks I did learn early on, there is an enormous difference between a bald man whose head is white and a bald man whose head is slightly tanned. Okay. What, you is, know, what is that? You actually, look, you actually look quite attractive if you have a, a tanned bald head. And have you got a... a, a I hate asking such an, well, inti- we, an we intimate question. But do you have a tanned yeah, bald... I've never thought I'd ask this I, question. I, I, do, you, do you have a tanned bald head, George? I had, Joe. We used to travel a lot. We were so lucky, my wife and I, able to travel... COVID put paid to that, and then she has serious illnesses. We haven't oh, wow. been able, Joe, to go to the sun now for three years. Oh, and it's quite difficult in this Irish summer to get a tan, you now, know? Now, can I ask you so something else? A, have you ever got a sunburnt head? No, believe it or not. I'm very lucky like that, you know. I, I, I'd be careful, you know. Okay. Do you wear hats I mean, all I wouldn't the time? Be put, no, I don't. No, I, I'm wearing... I have a beanie now that I wear, but it's for the cold I wear it. I, Carmel, my wife, gives out to me all the time because the heat lost through the head. Ah. But I, I think I have got a, I think I've got an extra layer up there now, Joe, from being exposed. It's more an animal skin than anything else, you know. And by the way, our text number is five one double five one. Joe at RT. Is is when well, is your when you when you rub your head, so to speak, is it completely smooth? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Not I don't a, even think about it. Not know? a hair follicle inside. I mean, inside. there's not. When I put, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Here's a tip for other people as well. Okay. I, I put moisturizer on my ah. head and ears and every every morning, you know. And uh, I'm lucky. I have very for an old fella like me, no spring chicken. I'm lucky. I don't have any. Uh, I don't look as everybody says to me, you don't look 83. And I certainly don't feel 83, okay. Joe. But I'm still very active and in, in all sorts of ways. And is it is it, um, is it an erogenous sound? Is it, does, it, does it respond to... Um, Which? The, ten- the, the ointment or the, or the cream? I don't know. <laughs> Not I, the cream, the I, I don't know, Joe. I the don't know. Do, do you like your head being stroked? Uh, I do, I suppose, but it's not often I get a stroke now, okay. Joe, you know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, no. uh, George, what do you think of people, and I'm not talking about young people, I know, who did it, who do it. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. think of people of, you know, mature age in their 50s and 60s who actually shave their head every month, who, ha- who by choice want to have... I know, yeah, yeah well, no, I, know, well, I know many of them, I know many why, of them why do, do Why do people well, it's, do it's, that? Well, well, it's become an accepted, fashionable thing. I mean, the only man that I knew when I was at the time where baldness was looked at was Yul Brenner. Do you remember him, George? Well, of course George? I do, yeah. Uh, with, with, with all of that, you know. But now, 
I mean, there are women who find young, bald men very attractive. They prefer them uh, with that, with the head that, that, that God gave them without the hair, to be more attractive than to have a big, hairy, hairy man. And you Some people, not yeah, all of them, of course. Well, I'm trying to maybe listen to Do you remember an Irish actor called Charlie Bourne? I think it's I do Charlie indeed, Bourne. yeah. And Charlie yeah. was a bilingual actor, like yourself in many ways. And Charlie yeah. was completely bald, wasn't he, as well? Was it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think yeah, I remember, I, was, I remember but the drama he was in, like, are baldies portrayed as baddies? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then what, what, is, what I think is, is, is wrong is that people in the limelight, your presenters, TV presenters, film stars, politicians, who think that baldness is a turn-off for people. Now, I, I don't know. I, I, you'd love to see a survey on that, wouldn't you, as to whether it is or not? And, I mean, nobody who's, and we won't mention any names now, who's at the forefront of, of television, you know, who feels they have to get a yeah. hair restore or hair transplants and all that sort of thing, you know, well, because that's, they feel... Well, that's who do get transplants, isn't it, people who are in the public eye? It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. I often wonder, though, I mean, I, I know two people who did, and there were two things about it that struck me. One was how expensive it was, and secondly, how painful it was. You know, it is really painful. No, and apparently so. Oh, apparently so. It can continue to be painful, and you put up with it. You know, I'm here now, Joe. I'm sitting actually in my car talking to you. I've just mm. had a lovely meeting in Kalosh the Fubble about an archive, my whole Ross Gray archive that I have presented to the school uh, about Ross Gray, everything, the, mm. the bacon factories, industries, everything else like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I've taken off my coat. I have nothing on my head. And I, I've just forgotten about it, Joe. And I, sometimes when I look at it uh, and I see the bald head, I said, oh, <laughs> you know, you're still a little bit surprised at what stares back at you. Yeah, OK, but it, you've, you've no evidence, apart from your, well, I don't, I don't want your own experience, but you've no evidence to um, suggest that women find bald men attractive, apart from anecdotal. Well, an anecdotal and younger women that I that I know okay. of nieces was, and that you know your, that are associated. Was your father bald? He was going bald. Yeah, he okay. didn't like it either. You know, oh, he, he didn't, didn't like, like it. it. What about uh, your have you have you uh, sons? Uh, but but my father-in-law John Collins, uh, who was quite a famous uh, Garda, he had two Scott medals. He came to live with us when he was eighty-one. Okay. And there was a photograph taken of him, John Ly- or, uh, Joe lying down, and and back, and there was a little bald patch, and and he said, "Oh my God, I'm going bald!" And he was eighty-two years of age, Joe. You know, he yeah. didn't like it at all. He he liked his head of hair. You know. Okay. Uh, and by the on, way, did you uh, ever you know, did you ever price getting? A hair no, transplant. No, no, I never went down. I never well, it's went supposed down to that be road. An, you're right. It's supposed to be an inordinately expensive. Very expensive. Okay. It, just as, as an aside, I was involved in the in the middle nineties. I was involved with the University of Limerick for twenty years, Joe, as a deputy chair and chairman of the Library Development Committee and all of that. And we had a we had a, an opportunity to buy a huge Irish collection in Wakefield over in England, okay. uh, put together by a Dr. Eamon Norton, who was an Athlone man, but he went to England in the 1950s, and he built up probably the best personal collection on Irish uh, everything in, 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 in Wakefield. And he, his um, sister-in-law uh, was, his, his sister-in-law was a sister was married to Michael O'Kennedy. They, they were from Athlone. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. we, we got an opportunity to get this uh, collection, and I went over with Kiran McAnally, uh, brother of, of, of Ray McAnally, who was a great bibliophile, mm-hmm. to assess the collection in, in Wakefield. And interestingly, the son of that house was quite a renowned hair restorer, and he had a clinic in Black Rock Clinic at the time, in the middle 90s, very wealthy. We were met at the reception at the, at the airport in Bradford, at the airport there, with his Rolls Royce. And he came across a few days a month to the Black Rock Clinic. It would be interesting to know uh, any of the people who got mm-hmm. the hair transplant well, you or see, hair you restoration. Well, you mentioned Ray McNally and his brother, um, but Angus yeah, McNally, formerly of this parish, who, by the way... That's is right. A, he was an, he's a nephew, isn't he? OK, yeah, but he's Ray's son, Ray McNally's son. He... Um, oh, he's Ray's son. OK, yeah. yeah. He... Yeah, um, yeah. He... By the way, he's on in the uh, in the helix 
on December 2nd yeah. doing this incredible Christy Hennessy uh, tribute. Incredible show. Okay. It's December 2nd in the Helix. But uh, Angus has spoken publicly about getting a hair transplant and the difference it made to him in terms of confidence and self. And as he, oh, says, oh, he I, says himself, he, he, he as we know, he doesn't drink or smoke or, or, yeah. or buy a drink for that matter. But, um, yeah. but, he, and, but yeah. he, he said it was expensive, but he thought it was worth it. Well, I suppose anybody in the public eye that feels they need to be confident and they need people, it does seem to be, Joe, that you get on... I mean, you probably can count on one hand the number of presenters who are bald. Yeah, 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 yeah. Male, you know? Anyway, yeah. So that they feel that the, 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 the public will only okay. accept you. Before you go... If you, you have go. a head of hair. Before you, you mind, go. Mind your head of hair, Joe. No, I have a fine... Well, I think I have. Um, up, to, up to yesterday, I had a fine head of hair. Um, tell me, um, do, can you... Your, your, can I bring you back to Latin? I did Latin in St. John's College of Bonnie Fern. We did it every Saturday morning. When we had, when we did right. five and a half days now, but they all, I remember two quotes from Mister O'Brien, our Latin teacher. We had that little hardback Latin book, um, which we yeah. loved. And one of them, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm, have your pen and paper handy, George. I might take a break and I'll let you try and uh, translate these for me. Um, well, I, I wouldn't I, be Joe. Joe, I, I, I left. I left. No, no, I no. Left. You you look at all, all those letters after your name. I have to ask you a question. <laughs> Calvo. Oh, what, what did Mr. O'Brien say to us one Saturday morning? He said, Duffy, Calvo Torpius es nihil comato. Or, or words to that effect. And then Sorry, he said I, to me... I won't have a clue, Joe, before okay, you go. Okay, you, see, see, now, you see, now, I don't know about those letters. I know. And Joe, then he also, you, have to re- <laughs> you have to respect my age, Joe, and my memory. <laughs> you sound brilliant. I left Flannan's, Joe. I left Flannan's in 1959. Okay. And Barbara, Barbara non facet philosophum. Barbara, non facet philosophum. Well, you can translate it when we come back, okay? Calvi, we're after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Okay, George. George Cunningham is on the on the line. He's uh, he's more letters after his name than he has in his name. And they're all yeah. well, they're all well earned, as you said. He's eighty in his eighties, and he's bald since he's thirties, and he's actually proud of it. He's worked out how much money he saved on shampoo, <laughs> haircuts, combs, revitalizer, etc., etc., and it comes to close to eleven thousand euro. I'm just guessing there. Okay, Barbara, non facet philosophum. Do you want to have a go with that, George? No, the Latin. No, Joe. Okay, okay. I'll did, give you the answer then. We, go on. When we did Latin in the fifty nine, it was to pass an exam. Right. I it know, had nothing I, I to know, do with understand anyway. Barbara and, and facet philosopher. Well, I'm, you tell us what it means. Okay, a beard doesn't make one a philosopher. Barbara and facet philosopher. And then the second there one was are. Calvo Torpius es nihil comato. Nothing is uglier. Yeah. Nothing is uglier than a bald man with hair. That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> my favorite Latin George. quote. My favorite Latin quote is <laughs> aspra ad astra. Yeah. Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. What's yeah. your What's of your course, one, George? Joe. Have you a favourite? Well, my, my my one is to do good, Joe. You know, um, okay. and that's what I've tried all my life to do good. Uh, thank people, praise people. And Joe, just before you go, in my eighty-second mm-hmm. year, I opened a bookshop for Vincent de Paul. I know a charity dear to your heart man, here in Ross Grey called Dimmer's Books. Dimmer was the great. Uh, who wrote the gospel book that's in Trinity College called Dimmer's Books. It's in Church Street in Ross Grey, nearly 8,000 books, Joe, uh, at, at ridiculous prices. You know, okay. you can Dimmer's Books. and the, the, But do good, Joe, and isn't it, isn't it wonderful to be able to do good, to give? I mean, yeah. I don't think people understand the pleasure yeah. or the yeah. benefit of giving. Yeah, and I anyway, I, I I think that's so strong, and I often say to people who are fed up for one reason or the other, and they don't know what's ahead yeah. of them, and I say, well, what's going to happen to them in life? And I say, well, maybe you should just concentrate on you giving, that you you make the difference, yeah. you make the difference, absolutely, do, do something uh, uh, that helps someone else. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Facare bene, facare bene, Jackie, Jackie. No, no, Jackie. George, <laughs> George is a happily married man. Now don't come on this program think just because he's bald you're going to get his hands on his head. 
Ah, but uh, but 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 he might enjoy it. You never know. Yeah, you you say your perfect man would be uh, a bald man. Yes. Bald head, right? Yes. And hairy chest and hairy arms. Hairy chest and hairy what? Arms. Oh, sorry. Uh, hairy arms. chest and hairy arms. arms. Okay, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's <laughs> that's that's appealing. Oh, it's very appealing. Yeah, yeah. and that is and. Fantastic personality and makes me laugh. There oh, of course, yeah. And who would you admire in, in real life who's bald? Um, I, I, well, I suppose I quite like Bruce Willis, that kind oh, of a look. Oh, yeah, that look, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's more of the, you know, that's more the Roddy Doyle look as a, the, or the Dermot Ferrer to look like. That seems to me the historic. Oh, yeah, that seems to yeah. me... That, by the way, there was a newspaper article yesterday which recommended that Roddy Doyle be on the, the curriculum in the UK. Would you believe that? Not fantastic. Not fantastic. Um, yeah, anyway, that, that's but they, I, I think they keep their hair tight by choice. Not that I know. I don't know. But do you, do you prefer I don't Bruce know. I've never, I've never had someone the joy else, of being up that uh, close someone to else, them. Someone else is blonde. What's wrong with hairy legs, Jackie? I should go into the hairy legs as well. I won't be asking to go and get them waxed now or anything okay, like that. Okay. Okay, and uh, are you are you with a man at the moment who's bald, so to speak? No, I'm not. No, I'm okay. not. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm, quite, I'm quite happy with just my little fluffy little doggies now. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Had enough okay. of the uh, the two well, two-legged ones now. Well, so you agree with George that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be afraid of the condition of being bald. That's what he's. Bald. Oh God, no, yeah. God, no. And I okay. do feel sorry for like I do feel sorry for young guys who suddenly find themselves going bald and, you know, yeah. they don't want to. Whereas as nowadays, I think it's brilliant that there are, if you like to say, it's more acceptable now, you know, mm. and as you said, like you've got all the different the haircuts and it's acceptable yeah, for them to be bald. Whereas, say, in George's, you know, as he said, um, in his time, unfortunately, it, it kind of wasn't acceptable yeah, in yeah. a way, you know, which is crazy. And then the wigs were dreadful. Oh, horrendous. The wigs were dreadful. Horrendous, horrendous. Remember, you say to and, a fellow... You know, and then when they... You say to a fellow who he thought was wearing the wig, is, is that your own hair? And you say, yeah, I have to receive. Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or, you know, oh. if you're talking, to, if you're, if you're, if God loves if you saw one, and it's kind of moved a little bit, and you're kind of going, oh, please, now. Thank God I'm, I'm, I'm younger than that now. Um, when I would have been kind of, like, outdating, there wouldn't have been kind of, you know, the actual wigs... Yeah. At all, you know, it was either kind of hair or nothing, and that's all about it. The actor and storyteller Jack Lynch has been on to us, and he said his favorite, his favorite, um, let me see if you can find it, his, his favorite uh Latin uh phrase, which uh, actually suits Jack because he's so funny himself, is uh, fitus optimus zest. Fitus optimus, silly is best. Silly is best. Okay, Jackie, go to meet a Margaret. Uh, George, go to meet a Margaret. And thank you. Now, silly is best. That's the last 15 minutes. But now for something uh, very serious. I mentioned that at uh, 20 to 1 with Louise. And it was about migraines. And one of our listeners wanted to know, uh, given the world we now live in with advances in everything, thank God, um, the main advance in the last week is with with uh, breast cancer. The last month or so announced, announced. And uh, has there been any advances on uh, migraine? Now, Una, Una, good afternoon. You there, Una? Okay. Uh, Jeanette, are you there, Jeanette? Okay, both lines are gone. Are both lines gone? Jeanette, Una, both lines gone down. Okay, okay. Uh, no, no worries. Uh, Una, are you back, Una? <laughs> Hello, here. Yeah, here. Hi, I'm here. Hello. No, your line Hello. is. Your line is dreadful, Una. Are you on a mobile? Yes, I am, okay. Joe, on a mobile. Oh, that's with a very a... bad signal. Oh, well, that's simple. Just, just speak up. Okay. Um, migraines. You say even the thought of it makes your head unwell. Oh, absolutely. They're the most debilitating things that yeah. could ever happen to you. Really are. Um. So whenever I used to get a migraine, I'd get about, I'd say, two, three minutes notice. Okay. And you'd notice, you'd know, because you'd start losing vision and you'd get these yellow blobs in front of your eyes. Wow. And then you'd start getting the pain maybe up the back of your neck or it could be over one eye. And uh, then you'd start losing um, feeling in your lips. 
and pins and needles in your fingers. Oh my God. And also, I used to lose peripheral vision and I'd lose my speech. And then you'd get this horrible, horrible headache. And then it was also um, really bad, you know, stomach spasms and then projectile vomiting that oh, could yeah. last for up to 12 hours. Oh, my God, Anna. Yeah, terrible. I used to have to leave work and try and get home on the bus and often didn't make it. Um, so, <clears throat> and, and it happened. It started um, in and around puberty with me. Yeah. And uh, even in school, the, you know, the nuns, the teachers didn't know what was going on. My mum used to have to be called and brought home. And, well, she knew because my dad suffered from it as well. But, okay. um, yeah, and then I suffered with it all the way through. And there was and no, got, you, you, know, sorry, you know when you say you, you get about five minutes warning. Well, oh, that was it, yeah. But yeah. were you able to, to think back and say, what, what would trigger it? Have you any idea? Was there any no. sensors or, or no, sequence? No, I never, I never could figure out what a trigger was because yeah. you'd be doing something completely innocuous. You could be out enjoying yourself and all of a sudden it would just start. Wow. Uh, I, I used to get it like in the cinema. I'd have to get up and leave straight away um, or I'd wake up with one out of a sleep I would wake up yeah. with um, a migraine and I literally could not get out of the bed then but no. the, the thing about it was was um, when I um, got pregnant mm-hmm. I um, I never had one okay. it stopped and all through my pregnancy I never had a problem with um, migraine okay and is that hormonal or something what, what well I assumed in my case it could have been something to do with hormones because as soon as uh, my daughter was born um, the following I'd say she was six days old when I got a really bad Ah. one and then I had to get over that and my husband was there thankfully but uh, I got got one the following week and I was really bad with that so my sister had to come over and look after Mm. the baby so I knew that I couldn't be left alone with the child if that ever happened. So um, what when, I did was... And would you get any relief? Do you go to... Obviously, you have to go to bed and you have to try and... Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. couldn't stay up. You could yes. not stay Physically, up. physically you couldn't. No, no, definitely not. Um, so I actually uh, was went to my GP and... Um, mm-hmm. He recommended one of his own colleagues who was uh, doing acupuncture. And I found, I went for six sessions of acupuncture actually with this lovely man. And uh, I got 12 years free. I couldn't believe it. 12 years. And then it did come back all right, but it came back um, not as often and certainly not as bad. And to this day, I still have to have something with me just in case I okay. do get And has yeah. has medication, has treatment changed, Una, or developed or improved since you were a child? Well, the only thing about the strain of migraine that I have was that I could never take anything orally because I would vomit back oh, up again. Of course, yeah. Uh, so I used to maybe get an injection sometimes and... Yeah. Now I have to have um, an anti-inflammatory with me. So I find that the rapid anti-inflammatory, the one I used was Nurofen because it was so, you know, uh, it worked so well for me. And if I sat down quietly, closed my eyes, put an iPad over my eyes, I'd get through it without it getting any worse. Okay, stay, stay with us, Una. Pauline Smith is in Carlo. Joe at RT.ie, 0818 Pauline, you say you're just, you're just out of a migraine. Yes, Joe. I, I, your researcher asked me how long have I got it. Yeah. And I was saying 20 years. I was just thinking, I surely have it 35 years. Oh, God. Now, mm. um, I've had a bleed on the brain in 2008. I've been hospitalised with um, migraine. Mm. I have had a, what they call a thunderclap migraine, which is similar to um, it can be similar to uh, a bleed. Mm-hmm. 
and he was asking me what would stress me. Well, yeah. that particular bad one I got, I was in a situation where I was telling the truth mm. and I wasn't believed and I collapsed on the floor. I had to be brought to hospital straight away. And is there anything that helps, Pauline? I could, I could take my prescribed medication, mm-hmm. right? Might give me a bit break. I had to go to bed last night at half seven yeah. from the one I had on Monday. Mine seems to be getting longer and longer. You know, I could get one and it would ask me two to three days. And I might get five weeks out of it, I might get two weeks out of it. I've, went, I've been to Dublin, been under a uh, migrant specialist. Mm. He prescribed tablets and what do you do? And have, has there been any, in, in terms of the effect on you, has there been any improvement in medication? Well, I suppose when I started out all them years ago, there was a yellow and a, a yellow, a pink and a yellow tablet for migraine, yeah. and that probably helped then. But now you get Imogram, that's what I get, and I can take Salvadine, or I can t- I can I have a concoction of three different tablets I can take when I get a bad one. Yeah. So that's Imogram, Salvadine, Salvadine, yeah. and oh. Can't even get it on. Well, who, well, who told me that? Diphen, Diphen, you know, they say it's very hard in the stomach, but the, and it's a prescription. But um, did someone tell me the other a few weeks ago that, that there's a shortage of, well, I know we manufacture it here down in Waterford, there's a shortage of soluble salpidine uh, in the minute, uh, at the moment. In our, but is, uh, in terms of triggering, is it stress? You mentioned stress, Paul. Well, yeah, that, that particular time was stress. Yeah. That particular time, and I was in. I, I just I, I had to go to the Dublin the other day, Monday morning, for an appointment. For, uh, the storm and all, and I waited, and then the girl said to me, she rang, and said she couldn't make it in. This where I and I said I'm here waiting in the waiting room. So kind of gonna get back home. I could feel it coming mm-hmm. on me. So as I said last night, you in bed at half seven. Okay. You know, and you know, you're saying to yourself all the time, oh God, the kids think they're putting this on. You know yourself because, yeah. oh, you know, I remember one day going to work and, and, and I, I didn't want to miss work and when I got there, I said, I'd make a home and she said, what are you going for? And I had to stop twice in the motor and get sick. Yeah. And then you know? it's the unpredictability, I went to ask you on this as well, the unpredictability, can you plan for uh, birthdays, weddings? Oh yes, 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 but to bring your medication with you. Ah, okay. I, okay. Mine wouldn't come on as quick as, as that lady's come, as come on. As yeah. Five minutes yeah. warning. But, and I, five I, I, minutes. And, uh, five minutes. I don't, the, the light doesn't, doesn't do any, take any oh, effect okay. on, my, on me either. But I would and be, you f- say, I'd have to lie on the couch or go back to bed. Yeah. Or, and how are you now? Well, as I said, I'm out of it now since this morning. But are you tired? Do you feel tired or... Yes, of course. Yeah. You, you, you just want you just want but, to stick, and you, 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 you know the good is going out of you. You can do nothing. Yeah. You know, you, you know, yeah. I, I've often rang my daughter across the street, and I said, "Andy, look at the dinner food, Daddy, I can't, I can't open your eyes." Yeah. yeah. You know. Say, but, you know, I don't uh, know. I know a lot of people on that, but the question is, has has anything medication improved? I know people are trying. Uh, Jeanette, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good, thanks. You you mentioned stress as well as a trigger. Uh, Yes, stress for me would be a trigger or fatigue. Uh, But certainly when I was younger, um, it did seem to be cyclical with, uh, say, menstruation, with periods. That seemed to, I'd have literally nearly monthly migraine. Mm. But as I got older, it just seemed to just come on and without without warning at all. So I would start with a an intense headache and then I'm saying oh will I or will I not take something yeah. because I, I'm lucky enough that I did have medication that worked okay so I was on a drug called Zomig and it melts under your mouth you can take I think it's three under within tongue, 24 yeah. hours yeah. and uh, under your tongue exactly and uh, that worked very well for me okay because uh, when, if, I, if I got a migraine, I would be in bed for three days. Wow. I'd be disorientated. I'd have huge sensitivity to light. So it would be curtains drawn and bed. Couldn't eat, couldn't drink. Just absolutely wiped out. Intense, throbbing, one-sided uh, uh, pain in my head. Just unbearable pain. Oh. 
And, and none, none of the normal analgesics worked for me. That's none what of I was going to say. Is there anything? Could you take a sleeping tablet even, try and go asleep? It, the pain is just too intense, you know. Oh, you, you can't sleep. But uh, say I discovered this drug that worked for me called Zomig. And okay. you'd lose, say, one day if you took the Zomig as opposed to three because the Zomig would really ease the pain, but it would make me very sleepy, nearly yeah. like a sleeping tablet, you okay. could say. So I'd probably lose a day, but I wouldn't be anything as sick. Uh, but like you could go to work now, you know, and you have absolutely no choice. Again, I was saying to your researcher earlier, at least now I work in the, you know, the uh, I'm not in a private company. I'm, I'm in the public sector, but I work for myself. But for people say that, would, especially women that work in companies, it must be incredibly hard if somebody's bringing in every month or every couple of months saying, I have a migraine, because unless you've suffered from it, you don't have any idea how yeah. debilitating it is. It is. It paralyzes you. It's in, it's it's incredible. What a, now you were obviously looking at anything for to help. You you came across, was it in University Hospital Galway? So yes. So yeah. I ended up in the neurology department in uh, University Hospital okay. Galway, and because I'd heard about Botox for migraine, and I had. For vanity reasons, I might say, I had Botox in my forehead okay. prior to that by another physician. But funny enough, I stopped getting normal headaches and I went back to her and I said, by mm-hmm. any chance, would that Botox have helped? And she said, well, if you suffer with tension headaches, of course it was. It, it, it weakens your musculature. So you're not contracting your muscles. It relaxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, of course it would help with tension headaches. Yeah. So when I heard that it was being used for migraine, I thought, well, if it worked for me for tension headaches, I definitely want to try that. So I went into the neurology department in UHG and um, I had a Botox injected around my scalp mm-hmm. and it was miraculous for me. It was absolutely miraculous. It was amazing. So how many sessions and did Steve, how many... How many uh, uh, months did you get migraine-free, so to speak? Uh, so I hadn't, I went back after three months initially, I think it was, and I hadn't had any migraines in that period. I went another three months and I had one migraine, but I went back and he repeated the, the uh, treatment. And I was migraine-free then, I'd say, for about three years. Mm. Well, it was miraculous. Now, he said it, it's not that successful for everybody. Okay. But funnily enough, when I was in the waiting area in UHG, I saw two close relatives waiting to go in to the headache clinic. Of yours? So, yes, close wow. relatives. Uh, so there is obviously a, a genetic link. And my daughter suffered terribly. And I think Una was going to tell me that her daughter now suffers from it when, since she hit puberty as well. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. Um. So I th- I'm lucky. I-, I had both, from a drug point of view, I had a, a prescription medication called Zomig that was fantastic. Yeah. On but prescription, with yeah. With Botox, uh, um, I-, I wasn't getting them at all. It was absolutely incredible. And how are you now? What is it? Well, I mean, I have a lot of other stuff going on, but at least migraines yeah. are way down the list, put it that okay. way, thanks, okay. to, thanks to the neurology department. UHG. Okay. Yeah, I, haven't, uh, I, I haven't busy. There's a, there was a queue from all, all the people I've told yeah, well, that's, well, that's Well, that's, it shouldn't be a secret. No, it's not. But you're right. You're right. Tell people, and it's all. You're going to reputable uh, medical establishments. Uh, Jeanette, um, s- s- stay safe and, and uh, hopefully stay migraine-free as long as possible. But that's, that, that's as you say, is out, it seems to be outside people's control. Uh, thanks indeed, Jeanette. How come, and I'm going to talk to people after the break, but how come the only callers so far who have migraine are women? Joe at rt.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Uh, we're talking about migraine. Pat Charles. Pat, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you? Since you were a baby. Yeah, migraine since I was um, a baby. Um, that little woman that was very lucky, she said they stopped when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was pregnant and my daughter had the worst migraines ever and I was in the hospital every second day with the migraine and the vomiting, the semi-home, the next day back in again. 
and they put it down to hyperemesis, but it came from migraine. Um, like that, yeah. stress triggers it, or if I'm out playing a game of soccer, have the, the headache after it. I think because I was sporty, I was putting a lot of energy into be sporty yeah. and to, to love it. And um, like I could wake up, um, I could wake up today with a headache and I could have it for the rest of the week. But yeah. what I do is if I come downstairs, have a quick cup of coffee, fairly strong. Okay. Then it suppresses the uh, headache and I don't have to take anything for it. Okay. Now, if I could be chatting to you and I could get a zigzag on my left eye. It's like a little tiny worm with a bright light. That's all mm-hmm. I can describe it. Okay. If my medication is to hand, that's good. But if I leave it for half an hour, my headache gets worse. Yeah. And actually, my speech has gone a few times with it and my bottom lip has got numb with it. And um, one of the girls at work said to me one day, she said, Patty, have one of your funny turns because I couldn't speak. And we just looked at each other and laughed because I couldn't speak. So I, I would go back and tell my doctor the next day and see her. And she said, oh, my God, you have to come straight in if that happens again. And I said, but if I come in, it'll be gone by the time I get into you. But um, she said she did loads of tests and she said you're getting severe, um, you're getting mini strokes due mm-hmm. to severe migraine. But I said, I don't get them. She said, she tested me then and she said, you just had one while you were talking to me. So she sent me to the hospital and they did all the tests and all that. Now, my own uh, GP at the time said, severe migraine can cause mini-strokes. But the mini doctor stroke. in the hospital mini-stroke. Mini yeah, mini-stroke. <sighs> That's where my speech went and my lip went numb yeah. and my hands get pins and needles. But in saying that, Joe, 20 minutes later, the headache was really bad, but my speech was back. Okay. So when that happens with the zigzag, I take two um, Cara, they're a sachet. Uh, my doctor's prescribed and I'll take that and lie down. Once I close my eyes for at least a half an hour um, and then after that I wake up and the headache is gone and the zigzag is gone. But um, if I don't have a tablet and the zigzag comes within that half an hour, the headache is worse yeah. and I can only see half your face. You have to try and catch it. Yeah. Half your face, the other half be blacked out completely. Now, I've been in the eye for a long time, and when I was a kid, I went for so many eye specialists. Look, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong for us. I could find needle in haystack. I never needed glasses until last year. Okay. And um, the headaches got so bad one time, my doctor rang me, it was in April, and he said, Papa, are you? And I said, Oh, I'm in the bathroom, I'm on the floor. He said, What are you doing on the floor? Because we've tiles on the floor, it was the yeah. only room that was cold. I had to put my head because it was on fire. So he would say, what is it out of 10? I'd normally say 8 or 9. I said 11. He said, don't move. And he diagnosed a brain tumour over the phone. And I ended up yes. in hospital that night. And the doctor and the specialist came out and they said, you're in this hospital, we have to get you an ambulance. You're supposed to go to a different hospital where they do the brain surgery. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's nothing wrong with me. It's a migraine. Give me the tablet, give me the drip, I'm going home. I tried to pull all the wires off me. You can't do that because I was in denial as well, you see. So anyway, there were eyes. I did go, go to the hospital and had the brain tumour removed. Luckily, it was benign. Yeah. That was very lucky for me. And, um, and did it make any difference to the migraine, Pat? No, that's what I said. When uh. I came out, I said to my surgeon, I said, come here now, doctor. I said, you did all this for me. Does that mean I'll never have migraine again? And he looked at me and he gave me a hug and he said, well, Pat, I wish that was the thing. He said, I'll take a tumour out, but I can't cure your migraine. But he said, with migraine, you can get, there's a, um, uh, is it a, uh, a vein or not a vein, one of those things nerve, in your forehead. Yeah, yeah, nerve probably, and isn't we it? can take that out and yeah. your migraine will stop. But it could be ten to 15,000 euros which I didn't have in my pocket at that time. And I presume so, it doesn't, nerve decompression surgery doesn't work for everybody. I don't know. Well, given, I given didn't that, get it done. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Has any, has, any could, has, has medication improved, Pat? No. That woman that came on earlier on and said about the blue and the pink tablet, I got yeah. that and it didn't work. And they, okay. what, the only thing took my migraine away, and I got one there, a very bad one there in August, I ended up in hospital again. They, they have to put the medication through the drip. As the lady said, I can't swallow even yeah, water yeah, when it's back because I vomit everything. But through the drip, that one does work, but you have to stay in the drip for about 24 hours to make all that fluid come back into your body. Because with the migraine, the vomiting is so severe that you have empty reaching. And that's yeah, like yeah. green uh, acid coming out of your body. Okay. So 
Um, yeah, so I, I was only just had the very last bad one in hospital. I had, had to keep me in hospital for two weeks. Okay. So that was shoot to the migraine again. Um, there is no cure, Joe. As I said, take the coffee in the morning and it will calm it down. It will calm it down. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, but given that we've made so many medical advances in so many different areas, why not migraine? Yeah. Because it's so... But anyway... It cures for everything, yeah. yeah. But you see, the, the, the surgeon was very honest with me. He said, you could come in and sit in front of me. He said, I don't know what's wrong with you unless you would tell me. And when I tell him then, and my symptoms and the other doctors before have treated it, he said, oh, maybe we'll try this different tablet. And I'm open yeah. up for the new tablets all the time. And I'll come back and he said, no, I'm getting sick. I can't. With yeah. a lot of uh, migraine tablets, you can't take them because they you, they upset you, Tommy, and you have to stop promising. Yeah, so no. I had to go back within a lot. I had to go back with um, the the doctor give me a prescription for penicillin, and I'd have to go back two days later. So I'm getting sick. So oh god, go off it, go off it straight okay. away. Okay. There is no and cure but, for but, it. Only but at least at least you still have you've have, you've have a medical contact. Obviously, having this doctor who. By the way, oh, what, do. what were you doing? What were you doing lying on the floor? In the bathroom. Well, my head by was choice. on fire, and I was vomiting. I was vomiting so much that I needed my head on the tiles because it was the coldest part of the house. Even wow. if it was April, you'd expect that because. Okay. And he rang and he said, "I'll oh, stay there." And I never remember that getting from the bathroom to some, the hospital. That is some description. Yeah. Stay there, Pat Bernie. Bernie, good afternoon. Hi, Jill. I'm oh, sorry um, for holding. Um, you're all right. Uh, I'm a bit nervous to be no, honest take with your you. Time. Um, but. Everything those women are saying, I can completely relate to. And, you know, I'm really, really glad that the subject is being yeah. brought up because it, it really is uh, something that people don't really realise how debilitating it is. And mm-hmm. it is not just, there's a saying, migraine is not just a headache. It affects your whole body, your whole yeah. system, all your neurological systems. And so it's a brain. It's from the brain, really. And... Yeah. Um, I've had, I was just listing, I have had nerve blocks, which are into the back of your head. I've had three or four of them. I've had an injection I took every month for five months. Mm -hmm. I did those. But there are more up-to-date drugs, and these drugs are being uh, developed, especially for migraine. And I've had the latest. um, I've had Botox. I've had five rounds of Botox, 39 injections into your head every time. Not that pleasant, mm. but they, they didn't work. Um, I've had a thing called DHE, I think it is, and you're brought into hospital for three nights and mm. you're in infusions every eight hours and it's a cocktail of drugs and yeah. they have to monitor you. And Joe, they, it didn't work for me this time. I, I, I do have acupuncture and massage. I, to be honest, Joe, my life is severely impacted. Now, I do have other medical conditions. And how, Ber- Bernie, how are you now? Joe, I'm not good. Um, now, I'm very tired all the time. I don't sleep very well. Um, I have other ongoing conditions. Okay. But I just, I just, I know we haven't much time, but I, I do agree. want to mention that because of the severity of my headaches and maybe a few other little things in, you know, from my past, a, a condition was triggered by the migraine called FND, emotional mm. neurological deficit. And I now have that since 2019 and that affects all your functions, speech, okay. swallow, balance. So oh. There is a link between yeah. my, so I am, my mobility is affected. Now, listen, Joe, I'm, doing my best to keep going. I have great friends, great family, but I'm in my 60s. But that's I'm, young, that's young, that's young. I'm, I'm isolated and I'm, I'm, I want to be yeah. independent and I'm, but I'm just so glad to get to hear this being spoken about. Yeah. So my life is just so curtailed and I feel like crying. I wish I could cry because it's such a relief to hear people talking about it. it is, and I know loads of people, which is, it's devastating. Mm, but devastating. When I don't, I nearly have one every single day, chronic migraine, but some days I don't. And I'm a different person. And my yeah. family will attest to that, Joe. And, and I find it hard to talk. And so, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm mm. really pleased. Um, and yeah, Joe, maybe you'll keep this subject oh, up. Well, it's look, looking, maybe, at, looking at the calls, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, number yeah. of people who are suffering. Incredible. And it affects women. It's, it's, hormones yeah. are a lot to do with it, and it definitely affects women more than men. Yeah. Um, but they definitely 
are coming up with new drugs now and the HSC, you need the finance, it needs to be paid for, so you have to apply. Yeah. I had to apply for the last drug and you, you, get, you can get it then if they approve you. But okay. it didn't work for me and I had to inject myself uh, once a month. I, I, I'm not giving up, Joe. I know, I hear that, Bernie, I hear that. And there's another thing too, with migraine, you have to reduce the amount of painkillers you take to six days yeah. a month because of rebound headache. Okay. Um, so you can you have to be very careful with painkillers. So okay. I've, I've nothing really that, except ca- being calm, which I'm not very good at, and relaxing mm. and not being stressed and, you know, living in the moment okay. and, a bit, and, ter- and therapy. I'm in therapy as well, and that's okay. helping me in the moment. can always be good, yeah. Bernie, stay, sure, stay sure. listening, please, if you can, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, there'll be a lot of sharing. Uh, but thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bernie. And uh, Joe at RT.ie, 5155110. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie, we mentioned the Miracle Club yesterday and uh, we got a lot of different calls. By the way, we're marshalling the calls on migraine and uh, we will come back to them. There are so many. By the way, our WhatsApp number, if you want to send us a voice message, if you can, uh, about uh, your migraine, it's 87 Now, if we can indulge you and and focus, you heard the description there, horrific, especially women go through. Is there anything that helps, that that solves, that relieves? Or is there any trigger that you can uh, avoid uh, that you know would lead to migraine? 087-1843-709 is for the voice message and Joe at rt.ie is a simple email. Mentioned the Miracle Club uh, yesterday, a movie made in Dublin and Lourdes and uh, the people who have been to see it uh, liked it a lot and then we discovered that the Miracle Club was written by a chap called Jimmy Smallhorn and Jimmy Smallhorn is on the line. Jimmy, good afternoon. Joe, how are you? Good to talk to you, Joe. Finally. Finally, okay. But we discovered... Well, but ba- Tell us. We're too bad experiment, man. I said, when am I going to talk to Joe Duffy? Jeez, I feel like I know you years. I know I can't <laughs> power was said hello, but your friend of yours, a friend of mine, and I, uh, I knew your brother Brendan as well, so it's uh, great to talk play. to you, Joe. Fair play. Brendan's doing great at the minute. Where, J- ah, J- great. Jimmy, um, wh- what part of Body Firm are you from? The posh end, Joe. I'm from Grunfin Avenue. You're over oh, there in Cadet Green in the right, forty the part of the town. That's okay. How did you get involved in filmmaking and, and scripting? And Well, you know what it is, Joe? It's funny. I was on talking to my sister about this not too long ago. and I was, I, I, I'm blind in one eye, Joe. And I used to go around as a kid with a toilet tube to me eye, making films and pretending I was David Attenborough and Buddy Sherman. This is back in... I was born in 64, so this would have been okay. early 70s. And I knew back then, like, this is the thing about Balliard Joe, I was like, I knew back then what I wanted to do, and it was, believe it or not, was encouraged, you know, and I just, mm-hmm. and another thing I remember saying, my sister reminded me this, is that when I was a kid, like, I knew the women on my street were a major street, and, and my mother loved Beth Davis and Joan Crawford, and I said, when I grow up, I'm going to make a film, and I'm going to bring Joan Crawford and Beth Davis back to Bally Fairman to make okay. a film. <laughs> so all them years later, what happened was, I won a green card, because you know, Joe, I two things going against me to try and be a filmmaker. One, I had a name like Smallhorn, so nobody's gonna, n- nobody's gonna, you know, take okay. it seriously. And the second was I was some Bally Fairmont, you know. So I went to America, Good and uh, with eighty dollars in my pocket, and I said I'm going to be a filmmaker. I don't know how it's going to happen. And just you know, I I I catch a lucky break. I got a I got a part in the playoff Broadway around for six months, and then. I got another part and then I met a fella and he wanted to make, you know, we wanted to put film, money into film and I made my first film over there. I think it was 1996 or 97. It was called 2x4 and it went to Sundance and, and it was the first uh, director ever to get into Sundance in, in competition and, and took off from there, you know. How it happened, Joe, is, is, is like, you know, yourself, it's just encounters of people that you meet along the, uh, along the mm-hmm. they just they hold your hand and they step you on to the next Stepping stone, and then you go on to the next stepping stone. Before you know it, you know you're you're back in you're back in Dublin making a film with Kathy Bates and Maggie Smith and Laura Linney. And you say, how how did that happen? You know, what a good, <laughs> you know. Well, well, how did it happen? Because it's, a, it's an, first of all, it's an incredible cast as I listed yesterday. Um, how yeah. how did the Miracle Club happen? 
Well, years ago, I was. I wanted to make this film about the women in Ballyfermage. I've always had this thing about, you know, like like these extraordinary, you know, Joe, you know, they're like they were the backbone of, of that town. You know, yeah, they went yeah, down, yeah. they went on hunger strike for the for the supermarkets, for the for the swimming pools, for everything we had in Ballyfermage. Like the women were the backbone of it. And I just wanted to make a film. And I was lucky enough uh, many years ago to make a film with uh, uh, Joan Allen uh, called When the Sky Falls about oh, Brian okay. Geeran. Oh, and yeah, I'd written yeah. the script. And I'd written the script and I was set in Body Fairman and she read it and she said, oh, this is a terrific script. She says, who do you want to play? And mm-hmm. I said, and the first person I said was, well, Maggie Smith, I said, she's, she's kind of like me ma, you know. Okay. So Maggie Smith's agent is my agent. I said, she's would you be together? She said, absolutely. Who else? I said, well, Kathy Bates to play Mrs. Forty and Mrs. Savage because they, you know, Kathy Bates looks like them, you know. She says, my agent represents Kathy Bates and... and <laughs> They sent and and she sent it to them and, and and you know usually when you send a script to an actor you're months waiting but they came back within two weeks and it says we're on we're in and and that, and then you know it, it, we had more big big names who were who were going to do it but you know things changed and it took a long time to get the film made but that's how it happened Joe it was just like it was crazy and but it's assembling a movie Jimmy especially by the way I'm thinking of COVID as well and what about funding. Funding was, you know, that was the tough job. You know, like it was, it cost a lot of money. But you know, we, 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 we it just, you know, it's, it's a market out there. You know, you have Kathy, you have Maggie, yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah, have Laura. Yeah. They're worth a few quid. Screen Ireland gave us a few quid. Uh, uh, the British Film Institute gave us some money. Sony gave us money. Lionsgate gave money. A lot, a lot of people came together to make it happen. Uh, job. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to shoot it in Ballyferm because Ballyferm it looks like you know. Uh, you know, very modern. It doesn't yeah, look yeah. like the film is set in in '68, so we had to kind of find red brick houses. And ironically, we ended up shooting it in Black Rock. But okay. uh, it took okay. years and years and years to get it going, Joe. But you know, never stop. We never stop because it's it's a beautiful story of family. And, that's, and, and we, we even we even got a sense of it. We played a clip yesterday. We even got a sense of it from the from the from the clip. Where where did the, and the power of the women in it especially? Where, where yeah. did the where did this? What does the story tell us? It's it it tells us about this uh, idea of hope and faith and family and love and what's behind it all, Joe. Because like like I remember coming coming in one day from school, Mary Queen of Angels. I don't know if you went to that school, Joe, but that was no. I went to the dealer, TV. yeah, in Parmesan. You yeah. all right. And then Couldn't I remember get into the Mary in, Queen of Angels. Ah, uh, you didn't know the right people, Joe, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember coming in and the mother was standing on. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, sorry, Joe, I'm a little no. emotional thinking about yeah. it because I remember me coming in, the mother, and she's standing on a stool yeah. and she's wallpapering the wall. Good God. And the, uh, the stew was gone. Yeah. The urine was gone. The fur was gone. Yeah. She was she was trying to hang cheap wallpaper that she got on Thomas Street, Wigadars yeah, Thomas yeah, Street. Yeah, well, yeah, And I'm looking at her, do you remember? And I remember going, how is this woman? And she says to me, run down to Mrs. Savage and ask her, has she got any bloody uh, wallpaper paste? I'm about to yeah, run it out. Yeah. And I ran down to Mrs. Savage and her cottle was gone, her iron was done. And I just remember going, I can't, I can't barely boil an egg for myself, Joe. And I remember going to myself, yeah. these women are incredible. And that's what the film, it was to find that, that kind of resilience and strength Incredible of hope story, of women yeah. generation. And so, so, and what was behind all that, Joe, it was a very simplistic idea of faith because, you know, it was tough in the 60s yeah. and 70s in Ballyferma. Yeah, sure and what do. they had was, when you were going out the door, they had this little font of holy yeah, water. Yeah, at the door. Yeah. And your mother stuck her finger in, she blessed you, get out and don't cause any trouble. Yeah. But you just felt that when you were going out into the world that there was something beautiful, some invisible hands going on behind that no matter how tough, how what difficulty it was going on, you you life was going to be all right. And the other thing that you felt was love, Joe. You just felt like like mm. we never did. Our mothers never said to us, "I love yeah, you," yeah. but you felt loved. You knew you were loved. You knew your family was everything. So I tried to capture all those things in the film. And the other thing that I tried to capture was okay. was was that their their universal mother was the Virgin Mary. This idea of the feminine deity, and I I was fascinated with this. And I went to Lourdes. I was like blown away by the sense of empathy. Like yeah. even Bob Geldof has been to Lourdes and says, you know, if you want to f- see empathy and compassion in action, go to Lourdes because it's extraordinary. And so I went to Lourdes, and because the thing that I, the reason, the initial reason I brought the women to Lourdes was they are, they're always mammy, you know, ma, mammy, mammy, yeah. you know. And I wanted <laughs> to find out who they were before they became mammy and ma. Who was Alice? Yeah. You know, who was Sheila? Who was Breda? 
So I brought them to Lourdes to kind of get away from the role of being a mother and find out who they were. And so in Lourdes, you know, the pain that they carried in their lives is revealed at Lourdes. And it's, it's revealed and relieved at the bosom of their, of their mother. So it's a beautiful story. And then the other thing that I had was that men are much maligned. I know all that. But I know mm-hmm. when, whenever my man had to go to the hospital, you know, for whatever reason, the dad would always say, all right, your man's, we're going to do the house up. And he'd wallpaper something, yeah. which was like, it was like building the Taj Mahal for my father to do a bit of wallpaper because he wasn't very good at it. But it was the way they expressed that. That's how they expressed love was to show this, you know, this is what I'm going to mm. do for you. It's not normally. So it was, it, was, it was a story of love. It was trying to get away from the stereotypes of what working class drama is supposed to be, Joe, because as you know, like a lot of working class drama is depicted from people who are not from those areas. Mm. So they're looking, up, they're looking over the garden wall into warehouse and seeing nine kids and going, oh my God, how are they surviving? Yeah. Where in the, the garden with nine kids going, Jesus, and the great air gang is huge, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's so, it was, and that's what my work is trying to do. And I'm still battling to get films made, Joe, you know, films that okay. tell working class stories about women. I mean, you, you would think the first filmmaker on Sundance and, bringing all them Hollywood stars to, to Dublin to make a film. So I'm still getting torn down, you know, for screen art mm-hmm. and for money for, for world-class drama. So the battle goes on to try and get those depictions, you know. And by the way, I have to, that someone, someone's, I have rec- to, someone's after texting and saying, do I recognise that accent? Is that Git from Love, Hate? <laughs> yeah, it is Git from <laughs> Love, Hate. So you're, you're, you're an actor as well? I'm an actor as well and a, and a, and a director. I'm a writer, actor and director, okay. uh, uh, Joe, you know. And I... I yeah, I, I, I've done get, I've done a few of the gangsters. You know what I mean. I, I, I don't really do them anymore. You know what I mean because okay, I'm okay. actually chased by too many fellas on on scooters and 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 and, and bikes and nearly crashing into me to get a photograph. So, yeah, I don't I don't get love hate and I did I did Dara and Carabao gangsters, but I've also done Taken Down and I've also done um, uh, Dead Steel. I played a horseman in Dead Steel, so I've done a lot of things. Okay, to do say, as well, as, Joe, you know? say say with us, Jimmy, because I want to ask you what was it like with those superstars. Uh, filming in Dublin. Joe at RT.ie. Sure. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. We were talking yesterday about the Miracle Club. It began with it, as it often. It didn't begin about the Miracle Club. It began about the cost of going to the pictures. And the Miracle Club was mentioned, and the couple who went uh, loved it. They weren't mad about the price, but that was sorted by the end of the programme, so to speak. And uh, then we different people who saw the Miracle Club being filmed, and also people who... Um, who uh, went to it and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And Jimmy Smallhorn, originally from Bally Fairman in Dublin, is the uh, writer of, the script writer of, among other things, The Miracle Club. But you got, as you say, Cathy Bates, list the people you brought to Dublin, Jimmy. Yeah, it was mad. Cathy and, and, and Maggie and, and Laura. Luke, Maggie and Smith, yeah. yeah. Like, I remember, I remember the, the moment when I met I had met Cathy in New York because I lived in New York for twenty years, as you know. But but uh, when I but I remember when when Maggie walked into the room in the Meridian Hotel, and I went, "My Jesus, Jimmy, it's it's Maggie Smith. It's it's happening. This is not wow. uh, you know a surreal experience." And she walked up, and she was so graceful, and she was so amazing. And we, she so we met uh, Laura, Cathy, and and Maggie. We met, and uh, we spent three hours uh, initially before we started shooting, just just talking about the mm-hmm. characters, and it was just. Like, one of the reasons why I wanted these actors was I knew that they wouldn't assume what a working-class character was about, that they would do the research and they would do the work. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and so, 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 Cathy, Maggie is, is like, she's like a laser. Like, so tell me, tell me about the women of the streets. And, and I was telling her everything. And I, okay. and I was telling her about all the, all the different, you know, the kind of, the huge families that we had in Paddy mm. back in that time. And she was like, oh my goodness. And I said, how many in your family? I said, it was eight of us, Maggie. And I said, so that's eight in your mind, That's 10. I said, that's three meals a day. That's 20 meals a day. And we might have to cook seven days a week. And top of it, oh, that's, I said, that's not, uh, I said, Maggie, that you think that's bad? It was a woman around the corner from nice. the play game. Had 22 kids. Yeah, I know. And Maggie said, oh, that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, did you bring them, did, did you have to bring them, uh, not to have to, I'm sure you would have loved it. Did you, did you bring them to any Dublin pubs or Dublin venues or... 
No, or was it all walk, walk, walk? It was, it was walk, walk, walk. Because wow. I tell you what, because it was a very quick shoot, Joe. It was, it was only like four weeks. Normally, okay. a film of this well done, size, yeah. it would have been six, eight weeks, but we did it in four weeks. So they were absolutely knackered. But we, we, we hung out and then we hung out on set and, and uh, it was an extraordinary experience because they, 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 whatever background that these actors came from, they brought the soul of, of, of the women that I grew up with. They certainly mm. brought that soul because I remember Kathy said, Maggie said to me, she says, tell, tell me about the character, you know? And I says, well, I said, I said, the thing to remember about this character, she's kind of based on my Auntie Rose, but she's also based on my ma. But the thing about the Auntie Rose was, everything for Auntie Rose was a tragedy. Winning the lottery would have been, oh, my God, I just won the lottery. Isn't this is a beautiful, sunny day? Everything's a tragedy, mate. And I remember pointing out, and she went, I got it. And I remember, like, you know, you, you, you don't yeah, really lovely. get the, the full measure of it until the film is complete and you're watching it. And well, let's, let's, listen, let's, let's listen to Lily Fox, which is Maggie Smith. And uh, she defends herself uh, from questioning by Chrissy, played by Laura Linney. Laura Linney. He was my son, my only son. I wanted him to have a better life than I had. We would have. How did you manage it? How did you convince her to shut me out? Your mother did her best. But with your father dead, there was no one to reel you in. There was no talking to you. You were wild. Your mother forgave me. God punished me, didn't he? Taking him away like that. He punished all of us. Wow. Wow, huh? Uh, that's Maggie a, Smith, that's, that's, that's a good, act, that's a good um, accent, and ah, uh, yeah, and yeah, the, it the, is. The, a the other, what was the movie I remember back in the, the Lonely Passion of uh, Judith the, Hearn by the Judith magnificent Hearn, yeah. Brian Moore, the magnificent Brian Moore, that's and right. she was and in that as well. Funny yeah. saying that, I, yeah, funny saying that because I said, listen, I said, watch the Lonely Judith Passion of Judith Hearn. What did you great? see, Maggie? Down. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I watched so all, what's all next? The, what's next, Jimmy? Pardon? What's next? Next one is another film. I'm trying to get... I mean, it's a great script with a great cast, a great crew. It's called The Makeup Party, Joe. And it's about the, the introduction <laughs> of divorce in the world. It's a comedy about the working-class women who are not prepared for divorce coming into Ireland. And so all of a sudden, divorce is coming in. And this whole new... When I came back from New York, I couldn't believe the change in Irish culture with the introduction of divorce. Well, like, we never had a show growing up about, yeah, you know, yeah. and we were unique in the Western world, the Irish, for this, Absolutely. because we didn't have this. Oh, she, and now he, he's with... So he's where with, are you, where are you? I know, where, where are you at with that, as they say, are you... Trying to raise money, as I say, okay. like, Screen Ireland just, just turned us down, Joe. Oh, uh, but okay. they didn't just, you know, what happened yeah, was yeah, that they said, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing, here's the thing with Screen Ireland, is that, I, I have this formula. I, I feel to myself what they need to do is there's a quarter of this population is rural and working class in this country. And I think okay. they should be ring fencing and they're, they're starting to do that instead of doing that. Okay. But we're still running around the money. So okay. we'll get well, it made keep, up. Keep, keep going. That's Jimmy Smallhorn. By the way, Miracle Club is still in a number of cinemas around the country. Is it going to any of the platforms? Do you know Jimmy Netflix or Prime or well, Apple? or? It's to, to, it probably will, Joe, but it's yeah, playing okay. all over the world. It's, right. even, it, it's even sold in China. Believe right. it or not, so it's gonna right. it's gonna play all over the world. It's far from China. You were rare. It's far from China. You were rare. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Smallhorn from uh, Drumfin Drumfin is it Drumfin Road or Drumfin Avenue? Drum, I can't be Drumfin Avenue. The oh, end, the porches houses. The he was rare. Up by here, Jimmy. <laughs> Up Jimmy's Jimmy Small the posh end. Jimmy Small Smallhorn. Well done, Jimmy, and and onwards, so, onwards, me. onwards. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Lee Mullen on sound. Thanks, Jimmy. Broadcast coordinator Shane Gab, producer Shannon Gorman. Ray Darcy's next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.